five, four, three, two, one. Boom. We are live. What's up, guys? Again, episode 10 of Segments. We are live. It's glad to be back yet again. Episode number 11 of Segments, ladies and gentlemen. We just wrapped up uh, the G. Meeker May Show episode 139 earlier. I just recorded an episode of the podcast, and it has been like over two weeks since we've generated a great podcast. But we do have some unfinished business. We do have a lot of things that we need to talk about. Now, that first episode kind of was just kind of wanted to highlight mainly what I was going to talk about from relationships to improving your overall well-being and all that, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, UFC 222 happened a couple weeks ago. And, you know, and before that UFC Orlando, Jeremy Stevens delivering a beautiful performance over Josh Emmett, a knockout, a beautiful knockout, you know, it had some controversy in there too, but you know, we're, we're going to talk about that on today's episode of Segments. Usually Segments isn't generated towards mixed martial arts, it's kind of towards mixed martial arts and everything else, but you know, there's no pressure on us, there's no pressure on me to do any, you know, I can I can generate it and design it and, and record and say whatever I want on any, any podcast, whether it's on the other podcast or it's this one. This is just a... You know, the extra edition, so we don't have 140, episode 141, episode 142. I think it's better to break it all down into segments, even though in reality I probably have probably over 140 podcast episodes because of segments, because we have 10 episodes of segments. Today's 11th. It is um, Tuesday, the 13th, 2018. I keep almost saying 2017, but anyways, guys, we're going to sit back and relax. We got some, uh, we talked about Verdum versus Volkov earlier on the podcast, but now today's episode of segments will be a recap of the last couple weeks in MMA and any other breaking news and any other fights announced as uh, that we haven't talked about in the last upcoming weeks. So going back a couple weeks, maybe like a month ago now, Jeremy Stevens you know, Jeremy Stevens has been in the UFC for over, uh, and has had over 20 fights in the UFC. He's, he's been in the UFC for the longest time. He's fought a lot of the best guys, and he was one of the early guys that debuted early in the UFC. He's one of those original OGs in the UFC. So, Jeremy Stevens, you know, if you look at uh, select show fighters now, you know, now in the UFC, you know, necessarily they aren't as popular. They're not chomping at the bit for a title shot like Jeremy Stevens is. It, it's a crazy thing about it. As you look at how long Jeremy Stevens has been inside the UFC, has been in the octagon, and had 20 plus fights inside the octagon, and he is barking up the, the, the tree for a title shot. 20 fights, 20 plus fights later in the UFC. Now, it's better late than never for Jeremy, but he's looked better than ever, and his knockout victory over Josh Emmett proved it. A month before that, he came, he, he fought Duho Choi. He ended that fight. Both fights were by stoppage. It was an excellent performance by Jeremy, and, you know, he's, he's chomping at the bit, definitely. You know, before UFC 222 happened, I wanted to see where Jeremy Stevens would, would match up. I, I had talked about it. I had said that Jeremy Stevens... You know, could easily fight the winner or the loser of Edgar versus Ortega. You know, Edgar versus Ortega ended. Brian Ortega defeated Frankie Edgar, which is still very shocking the way he did it by knockout. Now, Brian Ortega has to jump to the line and fight the champion, Max Holloway. 
that is the only choice now. This is a perfect fight. This is the best fight that the UFC can put on for a featherweight title fight. Two young guns, two guys in their primes, two very young people, and two guys that have the potential to make it one of the most best fight best best fights of all time and two guys that have potentially the best career of all time. I mean, look at the streaky Max Holloway. Defeated Jose Aldo twice and, and he's cleaned out essentially the whole entire division and he's one of the best pound for pound fighters of all time. He's taken on a very very dangerous guy in the form of Brian Ortega. We just seen Brian Ortega. If you thought it was a jiu-jitsu practitioner, look at him now. He knocked out former UFC lightweight champion Frankie Edgar and, and marked that quote-unquote Frankie Edgar has never been stopped inside the octagon, nor in his whole entire mixed martial arts career, which also masses which uh, uh, 20 plus fights as well. It's 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 an it's a shocking thing. We'll talk about those responses, and man, we're not going to get completely into UFC 222. I want to kind of end uh, finish up with Jeremy Stevens. So Jeremy Stevens, you know. Is that next guy? Frankie Edgar lost now. Before it was Max Holloway versus Frankie. Max got injured, and Frankie opted to stay on the UFC's 222 card. And for him, unfortunately, it didn't go his way against Ortega. And now he has to be vaulted to the back of the line. And I do feel Stevens is the next guy. You know, Stevens is the next challenger that I feel definitely should take on the winner of Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar. Or Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega, excuse me. So Jeremy Stevens definitely—he's looked absolutely amazing. You know, I always thought that he had that crazy power. He—he—he he, he had that very intimidating look, and he—he—he's a very dangerous guy. And it's a guy—he's a guy you can't make any mistakes against. If you make any mistakes against him, it's lights out, man. Lights out, and because he has knockout power. And I have to say, in the featherweight division, there isn't really that many guys that are have hands like Iron Mike Tyson. And what I'm referring to, what I am meaning, is that everybody in the featherweight division has power. Obviously, you look at Josh Emmett, he had power. But I feel that Jeremy Stevens has, has had that power since day one. And he's been able to utilize it. He's been able to put it all together at Alliance MMA. He's looked absolutely phenomenal. He's looking like a future champion with the potential that he's had. <coughs> Excuse me. But just the way that Jeremy Stevens has been able to put it together, you know, 20 plus fight veterans, UFC are kind of, uh, a majority of them have kind of gone down the down slope, unfortunately. But Jeremy Stevens is one of those guys. He's, just, he's right there. 20 plus fights, he's right there. Better late than never. As he gets older, he gets better. That's exactly what Jeremy Stevens is doing. So Jeremy Stevens obviously has to take the winner of Brian Ortega versus Max Holloway. That, that's just the main thing about it. And it, it is rumored, actually, speaking of having Jeremy Stevens in, in the news, former champion Feather... Former featherweight champion Jose Aldo called out Jeremy Stevens and is looking for a fight with Jeremy Stevens at UFC 224. I'm glad we stayed on the topic of Jeremy Stevens because that popped in my mind just right now. And how do I like that matchup? Ooh, it's a scary matchup for Jose Aldo. I feel like, you know, I mean, if you look at the last form of Jose Aldo that we had, it, it, it kind of ended the same way the first fight did. And, you know, I don't know. If it's just the streaky Max Holloway that Jose has problems with, and he may just turn back into the normal Jose Aldo that we've never seen, that, that we, we we're used to seeing. I mean, it started from the Conor McGregor fight, being knocked out by Conor McGregor. 
you know, having a fight with Frankie Edgar for the uh, interim featherweight cha- championship, the whole thing with Connor, you know, going into 155 and all that, and it's a whole thing, he's supposed to fight Connor, just a whole fiasco of all that. Josie Aldo, and then he finally unifies his belt. He gets to fight with Frankie Edgar at UFC 200, and he goes from UFC 200 to unifying the belts with Max, because Max got the interim title shot against Anthony Pettis, but Anthony Pettis didn't make weight, that whole fiasco, he won, he unified the belts with Jose, stopped Jose, he was supposed to fight Frankie, Frankie gets injured, Jose Aldo steps in right after his loss against Max and fights him again, and the same result happens, it's, I don't know if it's just the streaking Max Holloway, or is it kind of close to the end of an era of Jose Aldo, now, this, these are the worst conversations to have, these aren't conversations that I like to have, these aren't topics I like to talk about when it comes to one of the best pound for pound fighters on the planet, at, at one point in time, who I thought was unbeatable, I didn't think Conor McGregor had a fucking chance against him, I didn't think that anyone had a chance against Jose, I, 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 thought, it was, I thought he would come back, I didn't know how he was going to come back after that knockout, because a whole bunch of things flew into my mind, a whole bunch of thoughts, different things, overthinking, you know, you know, from reading people's social media to seeing everybody's reactions to how Jose was, you know, Conor McGregor, the whole world tour with him, how he's speaking out a lot more, how he's speaking out against the UFC for the treatment of Conor McGregor, just this whole fiasco with Jose, and it seems like everything's just honestly gone downhill for him. So now, circling back to Jeremy Stevens, I just think that's a bad matchup for Jose to come back against. I mean, it's a good fight for Jeremy Stevens. I mean, he has beaten Jose's main training partner, former Hennon Burrell. You know, he looked good against them. You know, Hennon was, you know, Hennon was very hesitant in that fight. You know, you got to think about the power of Stevens. If he hits you once, he can hurt you. That's just the complete truth of it. He can hurt you. He can hurt you bad. And Jeremy Stevens is probably the most dangerous person inside the, in the featherweight division that you're talking about when it comes to power. Now, Max Holloway has power. But he's not known for his huge power. That's the thing. He's not known for be having his huge knockout knockout strikes or just being that big next big thing. The thing about him is he's scary, he's young, and he's high volume. His strikes are he he's known for his volume. His volumes of the volume of his punches, the amount of punches he throws, the crazy pace that he puts on people, he breaks people down, he can submit you, he can knock you out, he's a great wrestler, he he can do it all. Max Holloway is a complete package, so he's not just known for one big thing. He can put it all together and he can utilize all his skills successfully and that's why he's a champion for, for for a reason. Max Max is a champ for a reason. You know, he has all these exceptional tools. You know, more than exceptional, highly exceptional. So much more than what you know people give him credit for. Obviously, there's no there shouldn't be any Max Holloway haters out there unless you're a Conor McGregor fan out on, on on average. You know, I don't really hate any fighters inside the octagon. I all I repeat I, I appreciate and respect every single person that steps inside the octagon. Me just being a podcast host. I'm just talking about what I feel, I, I don't think that Jeremy Stevens is a good fight for Jose, now Jose, now who knows, Jeremy Stevens may take that, you know, for right now, you know, he said, Jeremy Stevens did say that he doesn't want to sit and wait, you know, Brian Ortega versus Max Holloway is going to happen, and in the meantime, Jeremy Stevens could keep his feet wet by getting another win over Jose Aldo, and makes a mark to three in a row, hopefully get a stoppage victory, if he does that, that will mark three knockouts in a row for him in 2018 i believe yeah 2018 three knockouts three stoppages three wins in a row i think he's on four wins in a row or something like that he hasn't lost since uh frankie edgar i think that was fun he hurt frankie with that head kick 
Frankie, being the monster he is, came back and was able to uh, he was able to withstand all the all the crazy punishment that he had. Well, he didn't he didn't really take too much like much punishment or anything like that. He just took a crazy head kick in that fight. I feel that he outpaced Jeremy with this with his pressure and with his wrestling. And he just and he kind of it was kind of a one sided fight for Frankie Edgar, other than the head kick that Jeremy landed. But ever since then, he hasn't lost and he's looked absolutely phenomenal. So. Frank, I mean, if it happens, it happens. I would like to see Josie on the train. If anybody thought I was trying to dismiss Josie Aldo, that's completely wrong. Josie Aldo is one of the best of all time. Like I said, I hold my head high to those people that I once thought were unbeatable because it's very rare. You know, there's people that, you know, anything can happen in this fight. And there's people that, damn, I just don't know who the fuck can beat them. I don't know, uh, that originally happened with Ronda for me, that happened with Jose Aldo, that happened with Hannon Barrow, that happened, uh, hasn't happened with John Jones, the only person to beat him is, beat him is himself, uh, how about Demetrius Johnson, that's a perfect example, that's still a guy currently standing at my, at the top of my list that, who can beat this guy? They're, they're, it's rare, because we get these people inside the octagon that are just that damn good, to the point where, you think to yourself, who who can beat them? And then whoever beats them is a very special person. Shoot on over to Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega is a very special person for beating Frankie Edgar the way he beat him at UFC 222. Now there was a discussion, and I had I had thoughts about it. I broke it down. I thought about it, and I thought if Brian Ortega was to be successful over Frankie Edgar, he would have been successful with 99% of what people know him for is a jiu-jitsu practitioner, having one of the most dangerous guards. I mean, look at that fight with Cub Swanson. He had that, he had that choke in mid-air, and he readjusted it, and Cub was forced to tap because it's so, it's so tight. You know, he latched on that like an anaconda, and he didn't let go. He has some of the nastiest jiu-jitsu showed that he has knockout power when he wants to. I mean, knocking out Frankie Edgar is not an easy task. No one's ever been able to do it. I mean, you look back at the Gray Maynard fights with Frankie Edgar. He was hurt badly, and, uh, and he still came back. I think it was the last fight he had with Gray Maynard. He, he got hurt, he got rocked bad, and he came back and he won that fight. It shows the heart and the championship mentality of Frankie Edgar. And I do, I do think that he is one of those guys that will be back. You know, it's an unfortunate setting. We don't know. This is one of the hardest parts for me to think about when it comes to a fight like that, a fighter like that, something like that that's happened in their career for the very first time, but they're that late into their career. Frankie Edgar has had a long, long career inside the octagon. You know, back when Tim Stilvia was like the heavyweight champion was when, when he made his UFC debut. So you got to think, that's a long ass time ago. So what makes, what makes Frankie Edgar so special it's the fact that he's been on top for his entire career. You know, six losses now. Five, five of those losses were title fights. One of those losses, first ever non-title fight loss. No, second ever, excuse me. Brian Ortega. It, it was his first ever non-title fight loss since 2008. Other than that, he lost to Jose twice. Two questionable fights against Benson. Uh, Gray Maynard beat him once back in the day. And now Brian Ortega. So six losses inside the octagon. That's not bad. I mean, if you look at the amount of, amount of perform, great performances Frankie's had, you know, those two fights with Benson Henderson were back-to-back. -back. The Jose Aldo fight, it was his first fight down at 145 pounds, which was also a close fight. Am I the only one that thought UFC 200 was a close fight? I thought that was a pretty close fight. You know, Frankie could have just been a little bit more, put a little bit more volume in there, but Jose Aldo looked impressive against him against in that time. So that's what makes Frankie Edgar a very special person. But what concerns me and what I'm not able to think about, because this is a rare thing that happens in the sport. I mean, look at where he is now. He got stopped by Brian Ortega. 
Vega. He's never been stopped before inside his whole mixed martial arts career. Now, how does he handle that? Does he come back better than ever and just brush it off? I don't know how fighters come back from a knockout victory like that. You know, some people come back better than ever. I mean, look at Gustafson. His first ever knockout loss. He came back after losing to Anthony Johnson and put on one of the best fights of all time against Daniel Cormier. You know, arguably could have won that fight. It was a very close fight. I'd like to see that fight again. Um, and it was a, definitely it was a close fight. So, you know, Frankie's never been stopped. Gustafson had never been stopped by, by, submission, by strikes like that. So now him coming back and doing uh, and having that fun fight with Cormier, just, it, it's, just a, it's just a mind thing. I feel like it's a mind thing. It, it's, it's maybe us getting in each other's minds. You know, I don't think Frankie should come back right away as he claimed he wanted to. I think he should take some time off to, to heal and, and recover from that. You know, like I said, he didn't need to take that fight. And that was the part that got me the night after. You know, I was, just, I was sitting there the night of the fight, after the fight, thinking, damn, Frankie Edgar lost. He lost. By knockout. Frankie Edgar got knocked out. He got stopped. And I was trying to fathom that in my head. And I just couldn't put it into my head that, that that it happened. And I was in tears. I was upset. You know, I thought about it all the way through. And I got to think, man, he's got to be grieving in the back. There's a part of him that probably thinks that, you know, fuck, he could have got that fight. He could have had the fight with Max. He didn't need to take the fight with uh, uh, Brian Ortega. And he easily could have been fighting from, uh, against Max Holloway at UFC 226, which is now Brian's spot. So Frankie Edgar obviously is a Hall of Famer. And, you know, I feel that he's going to come back. He's one of those guys, one of those few guys that can come back better than ever, even after an unfortunate setback like that. He's not getting knocked out left and right. He's not getting beaten and stuff. People, if anyone thinks he should retire, there's no, nowhere near that. He's, he's one of those rare guys as well that's gotten better with age, and he's looked absolutely phenomenal. I praise Frankie Edgar before UFC 222. So it was a... It was a great, it was a great night. Some unfortunate things, you know. We've seen the Hector Lombard, CB Dalloway, uh, the the shot after the bell. That thing happened. Kat Zingano lost uh, to Caitlin Vieira by split decision, um, marking th three losses in a row for Alpha Kat Zingano. But Kat Zingano, honestly, I feel like that Ronda Rousey fight was so quick. I almost don't even want to count it. And then that what was the first loss. Yeah, Ronda Rousey was her first loss. Juliana Pena was her second loss back at UFC 200. And she hadn't fought since UFC 200, which was over like two years ago, back when Brock fought against Mark Hunt. And now you look at Kat Zingano losing to Caitlin Vieira by split decision. So it's a split decision. Now, I don't know how many people thought the fight were, was close. I didn't see the fight. But a lot of people thought the fight, you know, even Kat said on the MMA Hour, if she would have got the win, she would have thought, that it was a robbery. She would have thought Caitlin Vieira had won because, but Kazan Gano didn't get the win. And, you know, a lot of unfortunate things happened. Some great performances on UFC 222. And it was overall, it was a great night. I, I enjoyed it. It was a great night. And um, I can't wait for, for the future. You know, Max Holloway versus... Um, Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega is a very fun fight. It's an underrated fight. I think it's a fight that you or she should really definitely get behind and definitely promote because it is a sellable fight. It is a fun fight. It's two young guys streaking up in their absolute prime. Max Holloway hit his prime a long time ago, and he is in his prime. He is the, he is in the Demetrius Johnson status right now. He's doing absolutely great. It feels like he's had a shit, shit ton of uh, title defenses because he was just beating the brakes off of all the best guys in the world without a belt. So he was beating all the contenders, and he solidified his shot at the title most definitely. So Brian Ortega versus Max Holloway is definitely going to be a big fight. I don't know how, I don't know how Ortega fares with. When it comes to like the, when it comes to striking wise, because you know Max is a volume striker, 
I mean, Ortega hasn't really necessarily shown that much danger with his hands other than the Frankie Edgar fight and the, I think he knocked out Clay Guida too. He knocked out Clay Guida with the knee, but it was late in the fight. And I don't know necessarily, I don't see, I mean, Max Max is easily one of the best fighters of all time. So it's definitely a close fight. It's, it's definitely a fun fight on paper. It's a fun fight to break down. And I can't wait as time comes by to talk about it and break it down as, as it slowly comes back. Moving on from UFC 222 to UFC 223, the more, most anticipated, most exciting, lightweight fight of all fucking time, ladies and gentlemen. Habib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson. This has been a fight I've been waiting for. I've been chomping. I've been waiting for that fight for over two years. I've been drooling about it, thinking about this fight. It's a very fun fight to break down. There's so much involved with some of two of these the best lightweights of all time. Not best lightweights of all time. If you had anything, you can consider them some of the best lightweights of all time. The undefeated 25 and 0 Habib. I think it's 25. Wait, 23. No. I think he's 25. Yeah, 25 and 0 Habib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson, lightweight champion of the world. And Tony Ferguson's been streaking. He's another example of fighters that have been streaking. Tony Ferguson's looked absolutely amazing. You know, he's on like a 10 or 11 fight win streak or something like that. He's taking on the streaking Habib Nurmagomedov. Both men have been tied to each other for a long time. Both men have been set to fight a few good times. And, you know, it's been hard to promote. You know, I've got to admit, you know, after these fights have fallen through a couple times, it's honestly been super hard to get excited for these fights like I normally would get excited for them. But I, I just couldn't get as excited for it because it's fallen through both times. It's almost like something bad's happened to you like nine times in a row. Nine times out of ten, how do you expect those nine times not to happen again with that last limit you got left? Out of ten. Out of ten times, nine bad things happen. So how do you expect a good thing to happen? There's a side of me that just, just couldn't get so excited for it. But now, I've put those feelings aside. And now, it, it is one of the most anticipated fights of all time. And then the co-main event, that, that whole card fucking stacked. We'll go through it. But in the co-main event, Doug Rose Namunas puts her title, her newly her newly strapped to title on the line against the woman she beat for the title. Joanna Young Jacek, former strawweight champion, was on her way to, you know, tying Ronda Rousey's record for the most consecutive title defenses. And, um, unfortunately, she was stopped in the first round. That whole fucking fight card was fucking crazy. I think it was UFC, well, whatever card GSP returned on. Well, what, what was the card? What was the card that GSP returned on? Bisping versus UFC 217, I think it was Bisping versus St. Pierre. Um, all three title, all, all three champions lost, and all three title challengers won the belt. So George defeated Michael Bisping for the middleweight title. Rose defeated Ioana for the strawweight, the women's strawweight title, and uh, TJ Dillashaw defeated Cody Garbrandt to become the the UF, once again UFC bantamweight champion. So that talk about a night, a crazy night. That was one of the craziest nights I've ever seen. It was so hard to digest. And I was like, oh my fucking god. I was looking at that fight and I was reacting. I was like, good lord, this fucking fights. This this shit's crazy. This whole thing happening is fucking crazy. All three of these people losing. You know, maybe one champion losing or two, but through all three of them to be finished, all be finished. All the fights. Not only did the champions lose, but they were finished. So it was a crazy night. It was an overwhelming night. And it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. So it will be in a rematch anticipated from the UFC 217 matchup. I cannot wait. We got so many other great fights on there. I'm not going to even 
shy away. I'm gonna we're gonna look at all of those, and it, it, it's honestly like it was honestly one of the it's honestly one of the stacked cards I think so far of 2018. Honestly, it, it, it's it's an excellent fight. It's an excellent fight card. Those two fights have to be some of the best of all time. Now, are we going to break down the Habib versus Tony? No, we're not going to completely break it down or anything. But we're going to talk about some of the it factors and some of the biggest questions that I personally need answered from this whole entire fight. Okay, UFC 223. All right. Let's see. In the main event, Tony Ferguson, Habib Romagomedov, Komain, Rose Namunas versus Joanna Young Jacek. Featherweight title, featherweight, excuse me, fight. Renato Montiano versus Calvin Cater. Mal uh, Michael Chiesa versus Anthony Pettis. Ally Quinta versus Paul Felder. Ally Quinta returning. It's been a while. Glad to see him back. Carolina Kolvakevich on the against Felice Herrig on the prelims. Fox Sports 1. Ray Borg versus Brandon Moreno. Devin Clark, Bre Bre Mike Rodriguez. Evan Dunham versus stepped in for... Uh, Evan Dunham versus Ovalierm Obin Mercier. Joe Lozon versus Chris Guzmacher. Beck Rawlings, Ashley Evan Smith, Alex Caceres, Artem Lobov, and Zabit Magomed Sharipov versus Mike Kyle Bochniak. It's a pretty stacked card. There's a lot of fun fights on there. I like them. You know, more more notably, I'd like to see the Brandon Moreno versus um, Brandon Moreno versus uh, Ray Borg. That's an interesting fight, as well as. Uh, as well as Breck Rawlings versus Ashley Evans Smith. Um, I mean, on the prelims wise, but Anthony Pettis versus Michael Chiesa is an excellent fight. It's an interesting fight. I want to see how Anthony Pettis returns. Anthony coming off of a loss to Dustin Poirier. I think he had a cracked rib or something like that, and he just wasn't able to. Uh, that was a fun fight. I loved that fight. That was a great fight. Poirier versus Pettis was fight of the night. It was just back and forth. So much grappling, so much wrestling in that fight, and, was, and then he had a cracked rib, and you know wasn't able to continue. The fight was stopped, and there we go from there. But um, okay, and then the main event. Obviously, Tony Ferguson versus Joanna Young Jacek. I can't. I still can't believe that there was one point in time where I could not pronounce her name. It's like you're just banging on the whole keyboard trying to get a random name to pop up. That's what I felt like at first. I was like, "How the fuck do you pronounce this name?" You know, I heard the commentators say it, and I've seen it. You know, it's, it looks like Jed Dragzik. It's just like a, it's like a Russian word. She's Polish, and she's from Poland. She's one of the best fighters of all time. And I do think it will be a different fight this time around. You know, Joanna did say something about her weight cut, you know, cut, having to cut 16 pounds leading up to it. And now up to this fight, she's probably only cutting like a few pounds. She's only really cut, cutting a few pounds. I'm sure she probably improved her nutrition, improved her diet. But my question is, I don't know how that plays into the factor of what happened in the fight. Did she slow down? Did something happen? A lot of people are looking at her statements from those fights, talking about the fact that her weight cut was what messed her up in the fight. That's a, that's a kind of a crazy thing to kind of... Uh, compare and it's not a, it's not a good it's not a good thing it's not a good feeling and it's not a good look but who knows we we don't know what goes on behind the scenes that's why I'm not judging or anything but those those were some things that she said and Rose claims to want to knock her out again man did you see the promo for USC 223 that shit was badass I mean Rose playing the piano and all that shit that was cool that was real cool but um all right Going back to uh, the main event, man, the main event, we talked about it a long, long time ago, probably like over four months, five, six months ago, yeah, like four months ago, five, six, yeah, probably like five, six months ago, yeah, it was, um, 
was a fantastic uh, breakdown. Uh, my questions is the dominant wrestling, the dominant pressure, the 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 cardio, the 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 never getting, never ending cardio, never ending crazy pace of Habib Nurmagomedov. Is that going to be too much for Tony Ferguson? Because we were talking about this. I think we talked about it on the last podcast, not this last one we just did earlier today, but we did. We, I did one. Um. And we had talked about it. Like Tony Ferguson has a habit, an unfortunate habit that I, I don't. I mean, it's it's a scary habit, but he has a habit of of taking too much damage on the floor. I mean, look at the Kevin Lee fight. He was getting beaten up on the floor, and uh, you know, obviously, he came back and he won that. He he, he wasn't any any bad trouble. We have seen him. Uh, we have seen him in some trouble. I mean, obviously, he got caught against the uh, uh, Lando Venata. And um, he was getting caught, and he got hurt, and we see him come back and win that fight. No, he's gotten hurt. He's gotten tagged. He's been he's he's been behind, and he's come back, and he's won in a lot of his fights. That shows a championship mindset that Tony Ferguson has to never give up and never win, never uh, never lose, and and don't quit. I mean, he fought with a broken arm too against Michael Johnson and everything too. So so uh, you know he, you know there's no quit in Tony Ferguson. So my thing is for Habib. Habib is not human. Habib Nurmagomedov is 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 not someone you want to do that against. You know, I, I just don't think Habib is one of those guys. He's not going to get tired like Kevin Lee did. He's he's not Michael Johnson. He's not he's not Edson Barbosa. He's 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 none of those guys. He's not land. I'm not saying Tony Ferguson's not a great a, a great challenge. By all means, he can beat. Habib Nurmagomedov. If he is the one, then that will be the one guy that I have thought in my head is the only guy that I can feel like can beat Habib Nurmagomedov. There's really just no one that I feel can beat Habib because Habib's forward pressure, his wrestling, his dominance, everything's just so fucking hard to get. It's, it's, it's hard. People will train for, for Habib and, and, and they can't take the forward pressure. He breaks these guys down. And if you look at his last fight against Edson Barbosa, if you look at the overwhelming look on Edson Barbosa's face, it, it, it was a scary thing to watch. I could not go back and watch that fight again. I mean, for Edson Barbosa's sake, look, look at what he did to Edson Barbosa, one of the best strikers in the lightweight division. So now he's going to take on Kevin Lee. That should be a good fight. Um, Curious to see how he comes back from his Habib fight. You know, the overwhelmingness of Habib, the pressure, the wrestling, the dominance. He also has a vicious ground and pound and some of the uh, nastiest knockout power. He doesn't show it necessarily because he's he's wrestling, but I show his, his knockout power is brutal. His, uh, his, 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 just everything. Everything Habib does is is dangerous it's more notably his pressure so my my question is for tony not only is it about the taking the whole punishment thing punishment thing that i was talking about but it's the it's the takedowns can he stop the takedowns i had the same thing with gsp back when he was defending his welterweight title okay is this guy gonna stop it is carlos Connick gonna be able to stop this um is johnny Hendricks gonna be able to stop him obviously that was a close fight but going back to all just overall all, all of gsp's like you know in the middle of his title reign you know, how are these people gonna stop his takedowns is nick gonna be able to stop his takedowns what's gonna happen is bisping gonna be able to talk to stop his takedowns reportedly was supposed to be uh 
the bigger guy in that fight, and he still was taken down. And GSP is one of the best of all time, and one of the best fighters, and one of the best wrestlers of all time. You know, not one of the best wrestlers, one of the best MMA wrestlers. Like, he started off with a karate background. He has arguably some of the best takedowns, if not the best takedowns in the UFC. I mean, if you look at that, my, that was the same thing I did with him. Now I have to do it with Habib because I've never seen anyone be able to stop him. Now, Grayson Tebow did stop a lot of his takedowns back at that fight, but I honestly did think that Habib won that fight. I, I might have to go back and watch that again. That's the only questionable thing. I mean, other than Michael Johnson landing that left hook on him and hurt him at UFC 205, and then Habib, you know, adjusted. He took him down, and he beat the fuck out of Michael Johnson. He, he overwhelmed Michael Johnson, and that's kind of where I got that he had nasty ground and pound. I mean, his, his ground and pound in that fight was nasty. You know, I was like, good God, you got to stop this fight, referee. He just had his arm behind his back, and he was just absolutely helpless. I watched that. It was He, he, he beat the fuck out of Michael Johnson. So... My thing is, I don't, I don't, I don't know how he's gonna beat Habib, and if he can keep Habib Nurmagomedov off him, that's gonna be step one. If he can stop the takedown, that's gonna be a different fight. That's my opinion on it. The, the fight will be different if Habib, if Tony Ferguson can stop the takedowns. But the same thing can be said with GSP. I highly doubt this point will happen, but you know, GSP didn't want to take him down, he'll stand up and strike him and beat them on the feet. Now, I don't really necessarily see Habib being a superior striker versus Tony Ferguson, so if this fight was contested on the feet, i give it to Tony Ferguson every single day. It's just the fact that Habib possesses a quality that not many possess, if not anybody on there. Nobody can possess the crazy wrestling, the crazy pace, the crazy, the, the overwhelming pace, it's, it's, it's overwhelming almost, say, because he's just that damn good. So I don't know how Habib, I mean, if Habib beats Tony, he's going to beat him by either a the dominant decision, a one-sided decision, or he could potentially finish Tony. Same thing can be said with Tony, because he has some of the best and some of the trickiest submissions ever, and some of the quickest submissions ever. Like, he's nasty on the ground, you know. He's very fast. He's very tricky. You know, his submissions are equally... His submissions are what people's knockout power are. You got a guy with fast hands and knockout power. That's what Tony Ferguson's submissions are like. His knockout power is where, where his submissions are. So his submissions are just like, you know... Mike Tyson's hands are what Tony Ferguson's submissions are. They're lethal. Tony Ferguson's submissions are lethal. And he has the ability to shut down and... um his ability to shut down and, and submit people. I mean, look at what he did to Kevin Lee. He lo Look what he did to Edson Barbosa. Um, obviously, look what he did to Lando Venata. He's had all these impressive finishes. And, you know, he was the interim champion against Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee missed out on an opportunity to become the champion because he did miss weight. But um, overall, Tony won that fight, and, and we've been waiting for this fight for quite some time, and I can't wait for it, honestly, because it's, it's the most anticipated fight. It's one of the biggest lightweight fights of all time, if not the biggest lightweight fight that we can have in modern-day UFC. You know, and then that warrants the return of Conor McGregor. I'm curious to see what Conor McGregor's going to do. Dana says as soon as they touch gloves, the first punch is thrown, that, that uh, no longer will be the belt for Conor. But... Um, it definitely is a very, very, very interesting fight. And I cannot wait for that one. You can catch these fights uh, April 7th, next month. April 7th, 2018. Barclays Center, 
Brooklyn, New York. UFC will return to New York, and that should be an excellent, excellent fight card. I can't wait for those first two headliners. Man, Rose, Joanna, Tony, Habib. It's all excellent. I cannot wait for all those things. But um, definitely got to tune in for those. Uh, let's check on us in some, some breaking news and, and some recent fight announcements. And we will get out of here for the second podcast of the day. Let's look. All right. John Volante versus Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey taking that fight at light heavyweight. I think he's warranting his move to light heavyweight full time. He just came off of a knock, a nasty knockout win. I think it was I forgot who he beat, but he he, he knocked some guy out of light heavyweight. Obviously the power's still there, so that's good. Um, Jared Cannonier versus Dominic Reyes. Nah, I'm, not, I'm good off that. That's not a. Uh, some of the notables, Brian Kelleher versus uh, John Lineker. That's an, wow, Brian Boom Boom Kelleher really stepping up to the plate. That should be an excellent fight. He just beat Henan Burrell. I'm curious to see how he looks against a surging John Lineker. John Lineker is one of the best uh, fighters at 135 pounds. So Brian Kelleher definitely taking the fast track to the UFC world title shot, and he's definitely going in the right direction, and I cannot wait for that fight. Rashad Evans versus... Anthony Smith added to UFC 225. Both men making their light heavyweight returns. Anthony Smith making his debut. Rashad making his return. He hasn't fought since, I think, since uh, at, at that. F- I think he hasn't fought at 205 pounds since he lost to Glover to share it by knockout. But it's, Rashad is coming off of a, a disappointing fight with Sam Alvey. I think it was a split decision fight. And uh, before that, it was a split decision fight also against. Uh, what was it? Um, the Australian guy. What was his name? What's, what the fuck's his name? Um, the dude everybody calls Brett Favre. Rashad Evans versus... Uh, who the fuck was it? Derek Brunson knocked him out. Uh, that's the only way I can remember him. I, I remember his face. Uh, Dan Kelly. I, I thought of his nickname, Dadbod. Daniel Dadbod Kelly. He... he he had a split decision against him. He was unsuccessful in his middleweight debut. He didn't have any wins. Now he returns late in his career back to 205 pounds. Takes on a very tall Anthony Smith. So that should be an excellent fight. I really need Rashad to win this one. This is a really important fight for me to watch. Uh, this is a really important fight for me as a fight fan because Rashad Evans is one of the guys I originally first started watching. And that's really where I kind of gained my motivation from. That's kind of where, you know, I originally started watching MMA. He was one of the first people I started to watch. You know, Tito, Rashad, um, Chuck Liddell, Rampage, Jackson, Anderson, Silva, and Rashad Evans. He was on that list. So Rashad versus Anthony Smith. I'm pulling for Rashad. That should be an excellent fight. I'm pulling for Rashad. Don't definitely. All right, one more thing before we get out of here today. I want to go down right back out to UFC uh, UFC London. I want to see... Uh, I want to see who's on this card, just in case I miss anything. I do know Verdun versus Volkov. We're going to make some fight picks once we're done looking at uh, looking at the fight card lineup. We're going to make some quick little fight picks. All right. Main event, Fabricio versus Alexander Volkov. Jimmy Manuel versus Jan Vahovich. Tom Duskinov versus Terry Ware. Leon Rocky Edwards versus Peter Sabata. And some notables. Danny Roberts versus Olivier Encamp. Jack Marshman versus uh, Brad Scott. Mark Godbeer versus uh, 
Dmitry Solvinsky, Cajun Johnson versus Stevie Ray. Now, it's, it's an alright card, you know, it's a perfect card for Fight Pass, that's for sure. It's a perfect card for Fight Pass, and I, I definitely will, obviously, we'll tune in, obviously, I want to see Fabricio get his, get his, uh, get another win in a row, and, you know, could be on the short list for potential rematch with the champion. You know, maybe it could be next after DC versus, uh, DC versus, uh, Sipe. Who, who knows? That would be an excellent fight, so, alright, going back to UFC London for, for, for a quick second. Fabrizio Verdun probably defeats Alexander Volkov by, like, a unanimous, probably unanimous. Oh, no, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'd have to say uh, he defeated him by, by unanimous decision. I don't know too much about Alexander Drago Volkov, but I definitely do. I, I mean, he is talented. You know, he's uh, Russian. He's very tall. He's very lengthy. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Alexander Gustafsson in, in a way. Um, but uh, definitely, definitely should be a good fight. I'll turn, I'm pulling for Fabrizio either to get the stoppage win or the unanimous decision victory or submission victory. I don't know necessarily if that would happen, but definitely pulling it for it. But that is all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Two podcasts today. Jimmy Kermit May Show 139. Tune in for that one earlier. We did that one a little bit earlier, and now we got segments episode 11. Like I said, guys, appreciate you guys for tuning in. It's good to be back. It's good to be back on the horse. And it's good to constantly be back and doing all these great things. You know, like I said, I'm working on my podcasting skills. I'm working on everything. I want to put together and string together some of the best shows ever. And that's what's the most important thing for me is to put the best shows together and do the best things. And, um, you know, just overall work on the skills. So, like I said, guys, thank you for tuning in. You guys know where to find me at Meeker. MMA both on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow the Snapchat at gmeeker underscore MMA and Facebook.com slash Gabriel the King Hernandez. Facebook.com slash GabyBaby123. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys for joining us. We will be back next week. Gmeeker MMA out, baby. Thanks to Anchor Radio and thanks to all the fans. You guys rock. Bye bye.